Hey guys, it's Ethan from Love Extremist Radio. We're living in a crazy time in history as this global pandemic spreads. Some of us have seen a massive increase in work responsibilities and life challenges. Others have seen a quieting down. If you're like me, you're looking to connect with community and find creative inspiration. With that vision in mind, I'll be publishing some of my favorite creators' work through Love Extremist Radio as bonus episodes. I hope you enjoy this additional programming from the Love Extremist community, and please share if you do. I'm Phil America, artist and activist, and this is Conversations with Creativity. We're going to spend about an hour talking to a different creative every episode. It's meant to be casual, almost as if you're sitting in the living room listening to our conversation. My next guest is Simon Jung Kistesen. Much like my other guests, Simon is doing a million things. He's an extremely successful fashion film director who's directed everyone from Haley Bieber to me, quite literally. Before that, he worked as a graphic designer, and you start to see that in all the other work he's doing. He founded and runs 4608, a brand which we definitely get into in the podcast, and he has a background in graffiti, much like myself, so you see a lot of our overlap throughout the conversation. Let's get into it. Simon, what's up, brother? What's up? Good talking to you. Good to talk to you, man, on the other side of the world. Yeah, also on the other side of the microphone. Like I'm used to being on your side, interviewing people. Not, not this. Like this I is know. the first time I'm. I think yeah, it's definitely the first time I'm doing like an interview about myself, which feels fucking horrific and <laughs> weird in a way. But yeah, if it's if I'm gonna do it with somebody, it's definitely with you. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that people who are on the other side of the camera are not used to is is uh, being in the spotlight, but. You tell me about it shit <laughs> the only what? pictures are, the only pictures of me ever like i always carry just like you like a small small olympus camera like um a film camera and the only pictures of me is the ones like when somebody who's drunk at a bar or whatever like oh that's a cool camera like it's, let me take a photo of you and then you're like ac- take a photo and then accidentally open the hatch or whatever what kind of camera is this like how do i see the pictures like fuck off like you destroyed the whole row uh but yeah those are the pictures i have on me yeah it's like a blurry like out of focus shitty picture <laughs> exactly Can't try to stay try try to stay anonymous as long as possible now it's getting harder well, and harder hopefully that carries over to the podcast and this is exactly that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay well i want i kind of want to start like with everybody that i've talked to you know obviously it's just a conversation and so it's not it's not about uh you know asking you a, a series of questions that you should have perfect answers for but i kind of just want to start from the beginning and uh you know you're somebody who you're you're probably one of the only people who has a similar um trajectory to me where we both kind of have similar roots and we obviously have a different career path but there's so many points where they overlap both because we've worked together and then because we have uh we do similar things so what I mean, can you start me with, I know graffiti wasn't even really the starting point for you, but can you start me with, with your career in graffiti and like, what was your, what, what pulled you into that? What was interesting about it for you? What, what made it stand out for you? Why, why'd you get into graffiti? Yeah. I mean, I always had always been drawing as a kid because I had all these allergies and like X, I don't know how to pronounce it in English, but X, eczema, eczema. Uh, yeah. Uh, so like, 
I get all these like huge ratchets from just being out in the sun. So when I was like a really small kid, like in the kindergarten, like I couldn't be out in the sun in the summertime. So like I had to sit inside with one of the teachers and just like, and since they didn't want to do too much of playing with the kids, they just like put me down on the table to draw. So that's always been like my escape route when I was a kid to just sit down and draw. And when I was a teenager, teenager, um, you know, just fun graffiti and that was just like an extension of the same thing and I always had this problem of like um, really finding it really hard to find balance so like whenever I do things it's just like it's 200% and that's exactly what happened in graffiti and graffiti is such a like wide spectrum of things and like a whole culture to it so like it's perfect to dive into in that way you know um, mm-hmm. But it's all this like that. That's also why I stopped doing graffiti because it, everything in the beginning was so new, new, and like you, you didn't know anything. You have to to figure everything out yourself. It's like a small. Everything was an adventure, like everything, and and that's that's what was really cool about it. It's like just finding out how to get a paint and then where to paint and like. I don't know. I said to my to myself when I started painting, like I'm not gonna do tags. That that should just immature. And and then I went out painting for the first time and like did some tags. Like oh my fucking god, this is the best thing best thing I ever done. As mm-hmm. uh, such a fucking fucking rush. And that's that I can still miss that. Just like doing tags. I just started like to carry a small marker again in my in my pocket and and that's the same feeling of like being a kid again or something that's that's one of the main things i think i liked about it but the further into it i think i got more interested in all the characters around it because it wasn't that interesting anymore to do the same painting over and over and and when once you figured out most of the mysteries and like how to get into a tunnel or like how do people do this train or whatever. And you started to meet all these people that once used to be your idols and <laughs> they weren't as interesting as you thought they would be. You were like, well, okay, now what I don't have probably insane. And like, and a little bit, a little bit nerdy, a little bit crazy, a little bit obsessive and not at all fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, I, and I, ask, I ask all of my graffiti friends to forgive me for that uh, summary, but that's basically the summary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love graffiti, but it can be at the time. It's it's not. It takes a lot for me to get excited over graffiti at the time because it's and it's a very repetitive. Um, which is in a way it's why it's cool because it's like it's, you you do one thing and you do that over and over and over and over again and that's sort of been like my mantra for all the other things I've done in my life after that it's just like you find something you like and you fucking do it over and over and over again and that's how I, you do it no there's no growth within that culture for 99% of people and at some point it's like you said like once you figure it out, once you see how it works, like it's phenomenal. It's interesting. Okay. Like how do we get past the security and get around and um, these types of technology, technological like alarms and all this kind of stuff. How do we get into the tunnel? How do we break into this place? But once you figure all that out, it becomes just, you know, redundant and 
referential, self-referential and extremely uninteresting. And so at some point, I, I, like you, started to become interested in everything else that came along with graffiti more than the graffiti itself, which is what made me start bringing a camera everywhere and taking pictures and being more excited about taking a picture of the character of and the way he did things rather than what he was actually doing, you know? And I think that that's what took me away from graffiti like you as well. Exactly. And I know this, this, uh, this series of podcasts you're doing is about creativity. And I think graffiti is like, it's, it's, um, you are creative in a way of you're, you're solving problems at all, all the time. Like it's somebody throws a problem at you, like how to get over this fence or how to not get noticed by the guards or whatever. Like you're always solving problems by being, by you're always being creative by solving problems. And, but a lot of people are not that creative when it comes to actual painting where people think that's the creative part. Like you're spraying on a train or a wall or whatever. But like, to me, that's, that's not the moment for most people. I don't think at, at, at a certain level, they're not, they stop being creative at that part. And it's only focused on like how to do it. Yeah. It becomes sad at some point, like, especially when you see these men who are like in their forties and they're still just doing the exact same thing. And it's like, where's the growth? Where is the you know where where is the fun in this? It just becomes boring at some point. Yeah, at least at least to me. But but I I, I could it really hit me like a few years ago. Like not everybody is like you and me, and that's that's always focused on growth and moving further and and like climbing the ladder. Some people are super happy just to repeat the same steps over and over again. And. But it's definitely not for me <laughs> doing the same steps over and over. Like, it doesn't matter what steps there are, but it has to be a new step. Yeah. I mean, because what was what was it that brought you into graffiti? Because that wasn't even your first. It was skate videos at first, right? That really was the first things you were creating. No, basketball videos. So, like, I, <laughs> I, I, never, I, never, never, I never played in a team, but I started in, like, street basketball. Like, I saw this and, and one mixtape and, oh, like, man, shit, that... Yeah, okay. there was a wild there was one character i remember there it was like a small kid but he had his insane ball handling skills like it was called i think his b-ball name was uh hot sauce and he oh, used to do all these he used to all these moves like where he like he throw the ball like behind somebody's back and they pull their pants down and stuff like that so that i was working like 24 7 to work on those moves that i couldn't i like I wasn't good at basketball. I couldn't play a game or like set up like, I don't know how to do it, but like I could really move the ball in that sense or like, like dribble and like have people fall over when, when I was like driving, etc. But, but it wasn't like I was good at doing a layup and I'm, I'm a short white kid. So it's not like I'm going to go anywhere in basketball, but anyways, I, so when I was like, I don't know, maybe 13 or something, me and my friends was always playing basketball and, and my dad had bought this digital camera. Um, it was like an early, early age digital camera. And so I used to steal that one when I went out. And and uh, and it had like a memory card of like, what, like 64 megabytes. So those 64 megabytes would hold like 100 photos. But then I realized you can actually like make videos with a camera as well. And you can make... A video snippets that was 15 seconds long and after 10 snippets or so then the memory card was out so i started recording me and my friends when we were playing street basketball and trying to imitate the moves of and one basketball uh and one mixtapes 
and <laughs> so you 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 record the 15 seconds and you watch the 15 seconds like oh there wasn't anything good on air you delete that one and then you record 15 more seconds and then like the best parts always happen right after those 15 seconds so you had to like walk back from court um into back to my house and upload the files and then and back out playing basketball and that's what, what i did and, I was, and um my cousin who was really into counter-strike you know the, the computer game mm-hmm. um this is way before youtube you couldn't really go to a tutorial to ask somebody how to edit a video so he learned for somebody's friend because it was really at the time it was really cool to do this like uh counter-strike videos where they edit together their highlights of how they played in that their counter-strike clan i think it was called uh and he showed me how to to use adobe premiere which i still use to edit videos uh so i made this like and one mixtape sort of thing with me and my friends and that's definitely the first time i did a movie and like it stuck to me and since then i mean sort of like making movies about my different interests and throughout times have been basketball and graffiti and other things uh so yeah that's definitely like the earliest step of my film career i guess right well i mean when when you were in the graffiti scene, was it was were you recording stuff then, or was did you not really start to film things until kind of after you stepped out of it? Mm, I think I started recording things as I was starting to get out of it, but it was like so. At at one time, I I like started like an art collective and and started making murals and like freelance job, and at that time, I started recording. But then, I mean, like, that's not actual graffiti. So, yeah, it was more like when I got bored of of painting graffiti myself, I bought a camera and started to document my friends. And that was like, yeah, that was like starting graffiti all over again because then you, you get to follow along with people that that didn't do things just as you did. And they had a different approach to, to how they do stuff. So it was like finding that spark i had in the in the early ages when i just um discovered graffiti it's like it was like discovering graffiti over again and like over and over and over again through these different people and how they painted uh, so yeah i guess it was more when the assay was preparing to leave that culture in the terms of like participating myself then that was like the time i was started to to really document it but I mean, what's interesting too, though, and I noticed it with myself in terms of like photographing a lot of a lot of some of the kind of world's best graffiti writers, um, was that the only way to gain their trust and gain that access is to have been a peer of theirs. That you know, if I was just some photographer, no matter how successful or uh, how many accolades I have, if I had reached out to some some person to take their photo, I wouldn't have got very far. Versus like you're actually able to go and create full videos with people because of the fact that you came from that same culture. Yes, most stuff. Yeah. But that is also something I really learned afterwards. Like you and me recorded a podcast just on this subject, actually, when we were interviewed down there on the, how to, to get into a very close culture, like you said, and how to earn people's trust. But then because it just happened because i was just like filming taking photos of all of my friends at the, at the first and then it really grew but that also gave me access to a whole other world like 
I, I, I wanted to make like um, a documentary or like a movies about football hooligans, but that was so far from my life that when I talked to the few friends that I had about that, that was actually in that culture, it was like, no, there was no way they're going to let you in because they don't really trust people from the outside. But then once I had been doing this graffiti documentation for a while, then people actually reached out to me and wanted me to do that exactly that thing in that other culture. So like, it really, it's like, um, how do you say that? Like somebody vouches for you and then, uh, because they see other people, um, letting their trust to you but so it's really open a whole world I, I mean you and me got in contact through this project that i've been having for the for this years so uh yeah but yeah i mean it's like you, especially i don't know how it is within like the hooligan culture um or scene but i there is a just seeing it through your lens i've seen that there is a lot of parallels to graffiti and I'm sure that that extends to a lot of other cultures or like subcultures, let's say. And I think like really the only way to get in is to either really uh, immerse yourself and be a part of it in an authentic way or to have that uh, check mark, have that have that um, vouch from somebody who's actually in it. And that's so I think that people see the other stuff you're doing in a in a subculture that obviously is predicated on the fact that it's illegal and there is a lot of illegality within the um, within the hooligan culture, and people need to be people need to wear masks, and people need to not have all their business out on front street. So they have to be protective, and, and can't just trust anybody. So when they see what you're doing in graffiti, they they can obviously naturally see the parallels and know that they can trust you as well. Exactly. Now I'm I'm just now reading some old books from uh, George Orwell, and and his way of like. I mean, he's pretty much doing the same thing. Like way before uh, wall rafting became the term of like you're going in and like living somebody's life before you write an article about it. But like he went out and lived lived with miners in England for like years. He lived the horrible life that they lived and then wrote about it afterwards. So it's not like he comes in and look at it for like half an hour and then writes an article that's supposed to that's aiming towards another audience is like it's very hard especially since like i know that it's very hard to describe graffiti culture because it's so diverse so when getting into like hooligan culture or like football culture or whatever like it's very hard i really want to take my time to really understand it uh, and it's really hard for me because i'm not really that kind of guy so it's i mean yeah i i have a huge respect of like trying to handle it in a, in a way where I don't step on the people's toes that I'm hanging around with in that culture. Right. And they see that and they're there paying attention even when you think they're not and trying to see, Hey, is this someone who we can trust? But once you gain that trust, then you're able to create that, that content. And it's just, it's something special to see you be able to like shift gears and work in that realm as well and, and create that content. Cause I don't think a lot of people could do what you do. So hats off to you on that. Thanks a lot, man. And like, that is really, I'm really inspired by your work. Like all the stuff you've been doing, like once you, when you lived in a slum in Thailand or once you lived in that outcast sort of society in the US with the tent camps and, and that's exactly what you're doing. You like, you can't really just like walk in there and just like say that you're not going to document them. Like that probably happened a hundred times and they probably reject like all of them. Absolutely. Uh, and, and especially it becomes from 
exactly what you touched on where somebody goes there for an hour and takes the most like fetishized exotic photo of like some poverty porn esque uh, thing they can get while they're there and just portrays it as the worst place they can and doesn't show the truth or the beauty of it because they didn't even actually see the truth of it. And that's what really inspired me. I mean, that, that coming from graffiti, knowing that to actually understand something, you need to be a part of it, at least to some degree. So just going there and actually living there was the only way that I was able to understand even a small aspect of, of that culture, you know? Totally understand. Yeah. It's, but you still do those kind of projects at the moment, no? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, graffiti is something that's, um, for better and for worse, influence every every aspect of everything I do. And I think that goes with you as well. I mean, I think, especially being someone from Sweden, and I'm going to generalize here, but I mean, Swedish people in general are very cold. They're very timid. They, um, you know, for better and for worse, they always take the... Um, you know, the right route, not the easy route. Americans are always, again, generalizing, just looking for the fastest, easiest way, the life hack, the, you know, the innovative way to do something rather than, you know, the right path. And so, I mean, it, it takes a lot of bravado to just say, no, you know what, even though everybody tells me I have to do it this way, I'm going to do it my way in Sweden. Um, and I think that that's, that's probably something, I mean, maybe you can speak to it better, but that's probably something that came from graffiti and just doing um, things outside of what you're supposed to be doing. But I mean, like, hi, I don't, I don't want to skip over your uh, graphic design, that, that aspect of your career, but like, that's how you got into to making film, right? Is you were just like, I'm going to fucking do it when it came to fashion film. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, uh Okay, there's so many things I want to touch on it when you say that, but I think, like, okay, let remind me of what remind me of what. Sorry, the cheap. Start me with the cheap Monday story. Like, I love how this. I mean, it. Like, you had never been on a, a film set before, right? Yes. Okay, so the first time I ever directed, I was in in school, and but not for. Me, sorry, <laughs> I said you were in school, but not for directing. No, 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 not at all. Like, no, no, I, I know nothing about films besides the films I've made about like following somebody who's out painting a train or like <laughs> doing right. tags on a wall. Well, uh, right, yeah. yeah, okay. So me and my friend were doing this fashion collaboration uh, project with uh, Cheap Monday, which is a large Swedish brand at the moment. And we, so we set up, we were doing like this fashion film and we wrote this or draw down this like storyboard where like we had all these ideas like we want a flying person and we want like uh, a horse inside of the room etc and like i so how do you do this like i'm i don't i don't know so we like i we listed a lot of like directors of photographers and then we called one of them and, and he was like <laughs> dumb enough to pick up the phone and come see us and since he had a really good like uh, network he helped us to gather like a huge team so like it, the project just grew and, and because he was really like approaching the the project as a real film as because i don't know he understood that we didn't have the experience uh so in the end we got like sponsorship to to, to we had like two full truckloads of, of gear and we had like a full crew of like 25 people on set and we had like three really 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 good dancers and and, and stylists and, and stuff 
we set up the set up the first scene and then like it took like a couple of hours to to lit it etc and then we were starting shooting and we just shot and shot and shot and shot the same shot over again and we, i think we were standing there for like an hour and a half shooting the same thing and we had like a, a storyboard of like 80 shots or something until the 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 dop walks up to me and my friend are like guys do you know that it's it's you who's gonna call when we're finished with this shot and move on to the next one. <laughs> you didn't even know that yet. No, I, I have no idea how a film shoot supposed to work. So we the viewers like, okay, since everybody just looks at us, we're just like, okay, let's do one more, one more, and then move your head more towards this side or whatever. So we lost so much time on all that stuff and yeah, and, and today I feel so sorry for that crew because we pushed them. We had like a twenty four hour shoot. It was like and everybody was working for free. And right. in the end, like in the middle of the night, somebody was like, guys, like people's morale is really going down. You you need to like, I don't know, call in some pizza. But I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. So then we called some midnight pizza delivery to come deliver pizza. And I mean, yeah, it was horrible. But then at the same time, it turns out really good. And that was like really kickstarting the career. So after that, I did a short film as um uh how do you say that um, like final project in school and i was really lucky after that to 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 get a job at an agency that works with fashion and they didn't know too much about films so i stepped in and did all the the films there and like directed the stuff for from just from like a couple of weeks after school i directed for like three of sweden's major fashion brands as uh, gamt and h&m and stadium uh, so it was a bit of luck but also like just like you say just with the graffiti just like you do do things you don't have to take the the, the set up path that everybody else's takes um yeah and i mean that's in the american spirit especially in california where things are so entrepreneurial here but i mean that's so the opposite of of the swedish way the swedish way is like you need to go to school and then you need to have the internship and then you need to like there's a whole like path and a, and a, a concrete path that you walk down to be able to do anything in the north of europe or in europe in general where things are so settled and uh, yeah i mean it's it, it had to have come from graffiti where you're just like oh fuck that i'm gonna do it like regardless i'm not gonna listen to what everybody's talking about too. <laughs> i don't know maybe it did but i'm not sure that i was aware of it because it's never i never had the, the mindset of doing things the opposite way uh it's more been like what i think graffiti gave me the most is that like if you want to have a dope hand style you just need to sit down and, and write the, the same tag over and over and over again for like every night you sit with a piece of paper and just like try it out what looks the best and that sort of like working mentality is something that i i brought into when i was applying for design schools etc i think i learned more when i'm applying to schools I, I applied for three years in a row without getting in it was just like sit, sit at home and just like doing design just doing 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 and because I'm, I'm not i don't think that i'm like an extravagant like a creative person is to me it's, it's more about like repetition is the father of learning or something like that it's just like doing things so that's something that i think the few people who 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 grow from graffiti into art or into design or whatever it is they have that mindset of like they have them the 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 history of like spending so many hours like if you're gonna hide if you have enough 
motivation to hide in a forest where it's like minus 10 degrees and snow outside for 10 hours to wait until the guards leave. And then you paint a train for, for three minutes. Then you have a motivation enough to, to spend enough time to, to get good at something else as well. So that I think that I really brought into design school. But I think what you're saying about the, the more the American mentality came from me. So when I did the first film, no, it was even before I actually did I directed it the first time. I knew that I wanted to be to, to do films just outside of the graffiti realm. So I, I just went to Vimeo and looked for cool music videos. I found this guy in New York who did all this stuff with uh, Kanye West and Pusha T, etc. And he just sent in my email like, okay, hello, uh, I really like your work. Uh, can I come um, intern for you or whatever? And, they, and he emailed me right away like, yeah, I like your design stuff. It feels like you have a good idea like how things are done. Uh, let's chat over Skype, and then the next day we had a chat over Skype, and he was like, "Yeah, come over." And like, I mean, it's like he didn't even have an office; he worked from his house. And he said, "Like, you just come over." And then in the middle of the call, he was like, "Oh, sorry, Simon, I need to run. Beyonce is calling me." I was like, "No, sorry, tell her to call me." <laughs> so I was like after that I was like oh fuck I need to go there and then I went there thinking that he was a director that I was supposed to learn how to do film but then when I got there I was like oh shit he's not a director he's just like me he's just like a creative kid doing everything and that really gave me the um, how do you say that um, the strength of like just he was just a good example of like somebody who figured out a way to not just do one thing like he, I remember a fashion brand from from LA calling him to want to make a video. I think they're called John Elliott, and they won tons of awards, etc. They were also like in the beginning of, of their uh, their brand that they called him like, okay, so we I want to make this fashion film. He was like, mm, I remember this because we were sitting in his room and he was cleaning the house at the same time he was pitching these ideas. Like it was just from the top of his mind. He was cleaning the window, like cleaning the floors. Like, no, let's not do a fashion film. Let's do a fashion magazine. Like he's no, he has no experience doing a magazine. <laughs> um, so that approach of like, you you don't see problems until the problems hit your face. And that's very not Swedish. And that is something I at least try to, to, to to learn and to 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 take back to Sweden, but it's very hard here because everybody else is like they don't want to land in the ditch, so they try to figure out all the problems that can happen before it actually happens. And in a way, that's good because you never you never fail, but you never really go somewhere either. Right. So well put. I mean, it's like that should be the tagline on uh, when you go on Sweden.com. <laughs> what I think is great is that you've been able to take the good of things that you've learned when being in the U.S. or in looking at the you know the U.S. way, as well as looking at the Scandinavian way and and taking that approach too, and kind of finding the good in both and ignoring the bad, which is something I really appreciate because I, I mean I have a lot of friends from Scandinavia, the Denmark. I mean, and it's just it's sad to see how much how many resources they have there and how much potential but also how much fear they have at failing, you know? And I, and that's one thing you, you don't seem like you're afraid to fail, or at least if you are, it's not what's guiding you, you know? That's very true. Yes. And I've been very inspired by you as well, because like 
yes, I had this approach, but working with you, especially I think the last time I was over in LA and you and me doing this art project in, in downtown, uh, because I think you really like put words to it. I think you said something about like, because you asked me to do a, a design for, for, for this um, thing that you were gonna gonna paint, and then I was doing like all these different layouts, like ten difference or something, and then like let's find the perfect design for this, etc. And you were like, Simon, okay, let me tell you something. So okay, so so when I'm about sixty or seventy or eighty percent happy, I move on to the next uh, project. <laughs> I mean that really stuck to me because like yeah, because I always delivered one hundred twenty percent of my projects, but that also meant that I only done like a third of the ones you've been doing so now i'm really that stuck to me and i'm it really something that i'm trying to live by at the moment because in the end like i have all these unfinished projects that i since they're only about 80 percent done i don't um put them out in the world which now feels sad because now they're getting old and then they (laughs) they're not that relevant anymore but right. yeah, so I, I I mean, there's a few couple of people that I've been very inspired by, and you are definitely one of them in terms of like how to approach things. Because the same like you describing me, like I'm not being afraid of failing, and you're like, you can go from one world of like doing a fine art exhibition, then the second like the next second you we do a podcast together, and then it's uh, you do a commercial job, and and then it's it's all these different worlds getting together in a very nice way, and it's it's to me it's being productive is more important than being creative because when I'm am productive, it, I find creativity. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is like you have a creative spirit. I mean, first of all, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate it. But um, more importantly, I think, yeah, you have a creative spirit. And a lot of the things are so ingrained and automatic for you that if I asked you to, if I ask you to do a tag, you're going to do a tag of a word that you've never done. And it's going to come out good. Maybe it doesn't come out perfect and as good as it would be if you did it 400 times. But it's still going to come out good because you have that creative aspect that or that creative element in you that always comes out when you do tags and you have the style and you have the the creative bug in you so it's like that's how I always think of it is like if I'm doing something that I am somewhat familiar with as long as I you know get it to the point where it's about it's you know 80 percent I'm like okay I can let this go this is good enough otherwise I'm going to kill myself trying to get that last 20 percent that nobody expects anyways you know yes exactly and that's last 20 percent often take like as much time as the full 80 percent take took, oh, if not longer always more yeah you're trying to perfect something and then you know sometimes you end up like you said trying to give 110 percent, and or you can overdo something and you can you can ruin something putting too much time into it too so i've always just tried to figure out a way to you know get it to the point where i feel like it's good enough and let go and move on and let people finish that conversation. Let somebody else make the other 20% in their, you know, in their imagination or let that be abstract or, you know, not, not make something that's not good enough, but also not get caught up in trying to make something perfect, you know, cause there's definitely no, no such thing as perfect. Exactly. Yes. So I kind of, I mean, my, of all the things you do and you know, this, my, my favorite thing that you do is design and it's something that, you probably hardly use at all at this point, um, especially in like your professional career. But 
Can you talk to me a little bit about what made you want to go to design school and what that experience was like? Mm, I mean, like, yeah, my my mom's whole family is like artists. So, like, my grandfather is like fine art, who was a fine art artist, uh, painter, and my uncle is, and my cousins are, and I've always been drawing as a kid, but then. Like I really get frightened about the white paper. It's uh, some I don't know what to draw. That's why all also graffiti was such a good thing because you always know exactly what to do. Like there's this framework that allows you to to break the rules, but without a framework, I have no idea what to do. And that's maybe that's the same thing with design. So I was applying for for like the best three schools in Stockholm for like a couple of years in a row, and then. Um. Yeah, it's it's something with it there. Like you can just like graffiti, you can sit on your chamber and work all night and and do things over and over again. And that's probably just was just like an extension of what I already did as a kid by drawing, and then the extension of what I did in graffiti, working with letters. And here was just like, um. But what really, I think, what's a common thread of like all the stuff I'm doing is that I'm trying to tell stories. And in design, you can really help telling a story. It's like, it's not just design, it's actual, it's the content as well. And mixing the the thing about like producing content myself, but also, okay, how to tell this story, not just in the actual content, but in the design or in the execution is something I'm always, I'm super interested in. Like, can the design help tell this story that I'm, that I want to say, or like, can the the film, how the film is structured, um, help put underline what I'm trying to say or whatever? And like you say, I do a lot of different things, and many times they they cross each other. Like I, I use graphic design as one of the big elements in film, and then maybe I use like uh, old film director like Godard and how his um, end titles is in my graphic design etc um, so it's it's like a mixture I guess but I'm not sure if I'm answering your question at the moment but well, I mean, yeah. you're I, on something that's so so important to me I mean like it's something that it, it's kind of a, a mantra or a, a thing that I think about so often is how I can pull inspiration from all these different creatives and like if I meet an actor, how can I be inspired by that actor? And how, how can I learn something from them that I would then use in taking photographs, right? Like, how can I pull from all these, these this conversation with creativity as a whole to inspire my own creativity, even if they don't um, do exactly what I do? Like, if I'm going to be a photographer, I don't want my photographs to be inspired by another photographer. I want my photographs to be inspired by an author, right? So that's something that always just stood out to me with you is that, that has you have touched on so many different things in your career where you're doing design you're doing photography you're doing graffiti <laughs> like you're doing all of these different things and sometimes you're in multiple different things in one project like you said and most people aren't so conscious of the, ins- the outside inspirations and i always envy how conscious you are but not only just conscious but how you actually show those within the the process of your work as well. Thank you. Um, 
still not sure <laughs> to answer the question. But yeah, uh, to anyone listening at the moment or uh, whenever this, this is published, since we didn't really describe this in the beginning, like at the moment I work as a film director, as a commercial film director doing uh, commercials. And, and through the last couple of years, have been a lot of fashion films. But um, I'm really trying to, to get into like other kinds of narratives as well. On the on side of that, I run a project where I've been documenting graffiti writers in film and in print and in exhibitions, etc., for a couple of years, or like the last ten years. Uh, and beside that, I also studied at like the best design school in, in in Stockholm, and I do some graphic design, but mostly at the time it's for friends and my own project so like i do all the art direction all the design for my fashion brand and i will do all the graphic design and stuff for 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 my film projects and and i use it when designing treatments for uh, for my my film projects when i pitch films but as as a designer for a client i mostly do graphic design for people like you friends of mine so mm-hmm. so like your latest book and and other projects we've done together it's it's more like a collaborative process than being just like an ordinary designer who only cares about the uh, the layout right. i'm really You're very much more right sorry i said a lot of the graphic designers that i know their entire job is to just make the client happy and the client doesn't usually know anything about graphic design, so it's not collaborative at all. It's more just like execute this thing for me, even if it's a bad idea. Exactly. And I try to use collaboration as much as possible, even in films, where like film director, directors often have this huge ego. And I try to bring that to sets where like uh, everybody's opinion is, is valid, even though it's very hard to have on a film set where people like 20 different bosses that doesn't work but yeah like everybody's opinion can filter through me and it's like it's not necessarily that my opinion is better than anybody else just because like i'm the director on set but i think that's <laughs> very swedish perhaps also to to listen to everybody uh, but i to me it really feels like it's it's helping me because i'm i know since i haven't studied film i don't know anything about films it's just like i move on on the feeling or whatever but then it's very good to have like a really nice experienced team around me so i can always lean to on my director of photographer and ask him what he actually thinks or i can ask my producer or i can ask the the client or the art director on set or whatever and and, and just like i say about earlier about like not being afraid of failing it's also about to me it's more important not being afraid of being wrong because most of the time you're you're not i guess uh, yeah, and people are afraid to listen, especially in, in America. That's one thing is like we are we have so much bravado and we're ready to just stand up and say we're right, even when we're wrong and just push forward until we get to the end, even if it's not that great, you know, but yeah. I think that like we could do a better job of listening. And that's something that you're really good at. It's like you take in all the opinions, you take in everything. And then what you create at the end of it is is nothing short of genius usually. So. <laughs> Thank like, you so much. I mean, like, there's, there is, I, like, there. I'll say it like this: every time I have a project that I'm passionate about, I always think of how I can involve you and have you there cl- uh, collaboratively. And every single time I give you some premise, whether it's 
like very defined or whether it's at the beginning and very loose, you always come back with something that is fucking shocking. Like I just remember <laughs> we were talking about we were talking about uh, something related to basketball courts um, and painting the basketball courts, and you your ideas were like. A, 400 times better than anything I had even like somewhat thought of. And I had been thinking about it for six months. You know? So like the way your mind works is, is like I said, it's just, it's creative genius, you know? <laughs> thank you so much. But, thank you so much. But also I think it's very interesting to talk about, like since if the topic is creativity and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I, even though you say that the, the, the things are very creative, like to me, I don't feel like a very creative person. It's more like it's always about being productive. I value myself from like how much I have produced in a day mm. and being active all most of the times drive me to finding something new or like doing something well, because like, um, like I said earlier, like I had a really hard time with finding balance, etc. So like, regardless if it's, graffiti or like now like the, the when i was younger i used to 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 work out a lot in the last couple of years i've been doing the same so like i just starting doing thai boxing again after like a break of 10 years like okay so i can't really do it just once a week i had to do it like twice a day and that <laughs> brought multiple times to do it i see you yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's uh, i don't know but that really helped in all the other senses as well because like that led me to to actually be able to sleep at night which i normally had problems with and sleeping at night really helps creativity i guess uh i read a lot like last year i, wrote, I read 50 books it's not like okay i went from zero to 100 there as well it's it's always 100 percent in so mm -hmm. now I'm trying to find some kind of a balance or like accept myself of not just like diving into things as hard as I used to do because it's, I mean, it's hard to maintain our um, <laughs> work-life balance in, in that sense. But so that, I guess, I don't know, how do you approach those kind of things? Because like you're, when I've been living at your house, et cetera, like it's, it's, it feels like, okay, so like the first week I was there, it felt like, I couldn't understand how you can do so much because you're uh, many of your days, days is just driving around and helping your friends with their projects. And then you get home back to the house at night and then you like bang out some, some stuff that is on your list. And that's the story. I mean, yeah, but, but like, it feels like since you, you're creating this huge network of people that you're helping, you also get so much back. And that's sort of like the same aspect that I'm talking about, like listening to people and like actually doing things together instead of just like, okay, I have this idea. I need somebody to draw exactly this because I'm not a designer. Or like I have some, I need you to do this exact video for me or design this website, just like I imagine it. You're actually inviting people to be part of what you're doing, which is really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, everything for me is collaborative. And I think that artists, could do a better job of understanding that like they get caught up especially visual artists but most artists working in in anything in any different uh part of whatever their industry is is they forget that everything is so collaborative like even if you're a painter somebody stretched that canvas somebody made that canvas somebody made like mixed those paints and made those pigments and all that stuff so it's like i think people forget how many people are involved in the process of what they're doing and for me 
as soon as I realized that, I was like, I want everybody involved in everything that I'm doing, even if it's not about me, you know, even if it's just me driving around to help somebody else. So that's all my, my mantra has always been a rising tide, but it lifts all boats just in the sense that like, Hey, if you're winning, I'm winning and it doesn't need to be about me. It doesn't ever need to be about me or it can be all about me. But at the end of the day, I just, you know, for me, it's about just, um, seeing everybody win, you know? Yes. I mean, just to go backwards, I have a question for you though. What, so you said that you are more focused on being productive than being creative, but like, what is the difference for you in creating versus producing? Like for me, they're more or less the same thing. Yeah, maybe there is, but hmm, yeah, maybe it's more because going to like a art school uh, or whatever, productivity is always connected to um, how do you say? Um, what was the word you used earlier when you described the LA? Like, uh, it's very you're creating companies. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, entrepreneurial. Right. So being productive is not always connected to art, I think, because many people think that if you're an artist, you just, you you think, you think, you think, and then you find the perfect idea and then you execute. Right. To me, it's more like produce, 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 find something that's really good, and then you produce some more. And then you can like develop on that idea. Is, and, is creative by its nature, though. I mean, you're not. It's not like you're producing something that has no no creativity or soul to it. Everything that you create is. I mean, everything that you produce is creative, right? Yeah, perhaps it is. But yeah, but my main concern is not creativity in itself. But like, I'm, I don't need it to be creative. I mean, that's not the driving force. The driving force to me is to be productive. Right, like okay. I used to work as a salesman after I studied design, etc. Like I had no money. So like, and at the end of that, uh, the first time I studied, I, I did an internship in China for a couple of months. And then I really like widened my mind. I wanted to go back to China, visit my new friends there, but I had no money. So I had to work and like, okay, how can I make as much money as possible in a short time as possible? And then I used, then I worked as a salesman because then you're uh, get paid by your sales. And then, learn how to set goals and that was really only about productivity i knew that like okay i need to talk to x amount of people in this gallery or like whatever i was and uh, it was just like a numbers game like doing as much as possible to earn as much as possible and applying that to creativity i think it's 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 somewhat not really popular to talk about i think in terms of art because it's you're supposed to find it's I don't know I had this feeling about people wanted to be more um, sophisticated than than I think it has to be. Uh, yeah. uh, to me, it's very much about like setting a list and then actually execute on all those things on the list. And like the few times I had like a really weird idea of like I had this idea of like doing a like a podcast or like a, some kind of book about time. Mm -hmm. I don't think you, I don't know if you remember this, like how time is because one time I, not too too long ago I had to sit in a police station for like eight hours in a in a, in a cell, and I I get so much excited from that and how do I deal with those hours? So I just like okay I'm, I I set up my mind in the early of that in, when I just got in and like okay 
I'm probably not going to spend more than eight, 10 hours. And how many minutes is eight, 10 hours? And how many seconds are those hours? And I just started counting because to control my mind, not to get like full blown fucking anxiety. And then after that, I, I gave you a call and just like this, we recorded a call and talked about time, like how that is perceived for different people. So like to me, when, when I have an idea, I pretty much need to jump in that idea right away. Otherwise I'll get lost in the list of things that I'm, that I want to do. But yeah, you have a really strong point about is creativity and productivity really separated? For me, I maybe I seen it that way, but it's because I don't. Maybe it's it's an underlying fact that I'm not concerned. Creativity is not a concern of mine. It comes with productivity, but productivity right. you have to work for. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And that that's you know going back to graffiti. That's always you know the mindset of every good graffiti writer and the graffiti writers that last. It's not about let's go on a Sunday and paint this legal wall and spend, you know, all day doing it and make it all perfect. It's let's go out all night, seven nights a week and write the same shit all over the place as much as we can and worry more about productivity and quote unquote getting up than, than about trying to make the perfect piece. Right. Exactly. I think I have a good reference here. It's like, I read a lot of like um, science or like, popular science science i think it's called in this is the book term but so there was one study where this uh, photography professor in the, the in the class of like the how do you say that like the, what is it called like the examination project or whatever so half of the class of the the photographers he told them that okay you're going to be evaluated on just one image you have 6 months to produce one single perfect image and that's what we're going to evaluate you on and the other half of the class he told them to okay your goal is to produce as many photos as possible you're going to be evaluated by the bulk not one single good image like i don't care if they're good or not you're just going to shoot as much as possible and then after six months or whatever how long time that was they um uh, compared the two sides of the class and the one side that been told that you're going to produce a, a perfect image, they have went back to the room and thought and thought and thought and thought about how to do the perfect image. And they probably made like four good images. But com- in comparison to the other group that just produced a shit ton of photos, in those shit tons of photos, they found a small amount of photos that was so much better than the other group because they had been testing, 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 testing mm-hmm. all the way. Uh, and I think that's a good like explanation of how I've been like trying to do, uh, or I don't know, my, my approach to creativity. Right. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. And, and But the funny thing is though, you in, I'm sure in that class, like 99% of the photos that the, the first half was, or the second half was taken of all the, um, photos they could were terrible versus yes. you make a hundred things and usually 101 of them are good so <laughs> I love myself to that but, I mean I guess maybe that comes with practice I, I I guess the further back we go we could probably find some good stuff but I mean yeah. like what I, what I think is interesting though is that you've you've kind of come full circle with 4608 where I mean you you never fully stepped away from graffiti I suppose but You've now taken kind of all of these skills, you know, from creating the videos to um, working in fashion, to creating fashion films, to even like working in 
uh, obviously in design, then working in fashion design a little bit. And then like you've pulled that all into creating one kind of cohesive brand. And like a brand is almost, uh, doesn't do justice to what you're making, but can you, like, I wouldn't know how to describe 4608. Can you tell me in your words what it is? Yeah, I mean, okay, so in the start, it, it really started with me getting tired of painting graffiti myself. So I bought a cheap, cheap film camera and started to make like videos and document my friends. So that's how how it started. And the idea started with I saw uh, State Your Name, or I thought about in this video State Your Name, which is a New York graffiti film where they interview all these New York bombers and everybody in there like they they're so thugged out like waving guns and etc like I claim my hood if you come here I'll shoot you whatever and I mean when I was a kid I used to think that was really cool but then I, I know like I thought about like my friends in Stockholm and it's really not the same thing like we're small white kids with no problem most of us and like all the problems we have is problems we put ourselves into yeah. and I mean a lot of people are really like drugged out and stuff but there are no gangsters in the Swedish graffiti community right. so I wanted to document that and like show that it's like all all these people that that people think are um criminals I mean, they're just like every other ordinary people. Like it's just it's boys, which was that's where it started. But then when I started design, uh, I had this project of forty six oh eight to have a side project where I could do anything I wanted without anybody giving me feedback or like deciding what what I can or cannot do. So like, if I had a class about uh, poster design, then I can do posters for myself. If I had a class about book design, I can make a book for myself. If I had a class about something else and like a good lecturer that talked about like marketing and how to, to build something and I use that in my own project. So it's always been a side project for, for me where I have like full control of the creative output. And just like you say, I, I used to work at an agency where I was an art director for, for brands and pitch like how to to um uh market brands so i have all these different like experiences and and that just go by time it's just like i put that the same thoughts and the same like uh, uh whatever i learned in my work into that project so what it is maybe like it just because it, to me i always thought it was very obvious it was just like a, a project of like documenting a scene graffiti scene but now I'm, now I'm getting this question now it's it's getting harder and harder to describe what it is because i'm trying to to move it towards being a brand where i sell like products as well but i don't think anybody sees it in that way uh, at the moment yeah, so it's, it's yeah. hard to define well, i'm sure like so many different people are seeing it through a different lens right like i'm sure a lot of the graffiti folks are seeing it and know the Vandal Weeks that you did, they see all the like the collaborations you have with graffiti writers. And then there's other people who just, who see it through the, I mean, you did stuff with hooligans, so that's their, you know, their entry point. And then there's other folks who are seeing it um, more as something like in terms of fashion. And I think it's, that that's what's so interesting to me is it's not, it's not just one thing. It's not just a brand. It's not just a project. It's not just, um, you know, following what subculture it, it, at the end of the day, it's almost creating culture and bringing all these, you know, the intersection of all these different subcultures together. Yeah. It's like a, my, my passion project. I think it's, 
but this is also yeah i mean it's, it's that's probably what it is it's my side project <laughs> and that can be filled with a, with whatever i'm interested in at the moment okay. so i will I, you will see this in, in the near future i will like in, collaborate with some uh tie boxing uh, brands and etc because it's that's what influenced me at the moment and but it, it's somehow it's always like it's 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 about tying things together and, and 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 documenting a subculture i guess or some people there or people are people of our mind or i don't know it's, it's i should definitely try to figure out like a, a elevator pitch but it's because <laughs> it's going to be needed when i'm trying to pitch it to to stores etc in the future right well i mean i just want to you know we can end it on this but i, I kind of just wanted to run through a few of the like kind of my favorite things that you've done with 4608 and well i mean first of all 4608 is the is the area code for stockholm right yeah, plus forty six is a phone code if you're calling to Sweden, and O eight is a phone code when you're calling. Like that's how do I say that? Like yeah, area oh, yeah. code for Stockholm when you're calling. Uh, so it was just like it, I'm documenting the Stockholm's uh, graffiti scene, and that's just like another like letting, putting the the. I want to represent Stockholm just like Donna Karen does with New York. Right. Well, I think what's interesting is it's like you're not you're not just documenting Stockholm when you go and look at it. When I see it, I see Stockholm. When other people, when there's probably even people from Stockholm who see it and it's not that for them because their Stockholm is so different. It's such like a, you know, the underground Stockholm and a very specific subsect of, subsects of, of Stockholm. But, um, you know, one of my favorite, some of my favorite things are, are, the, uh, are the stuff you've done in apparel. For example, I wear my uh, 4608 sweater all the time, but... One of my favorites is the um, is the balakava, the uh, ski mask that you made, which is obviously something that you know. If you do, for the people that are listening that don't know, it's a it's a mask that most graffiti writers wear to hide their identity when they're painting, because a lot of times, especially in Stockholm, um, you're passing cameras and stuff. But uh, you made one that I fucking love, that is the pattern from the subway seats from inside or from inside the trains, right? Yes, so I was drunk before I stopped drinking because I've been sober for like what three three and a half years or so. Uh, but before that, um, I woke up one morning. I had like a seat in my apartment from the subway, uh, and I was like, "Oh, this is a pretty cool pattern and like um, like the fabric." So I wanted to do something with the fabric that I somehow got to my house. <laughs> And um, uh, but Word. it's very, very uh, house that came from you, so yeah, <laughs> spreading. Right. Uh, but yeah, so we wanted to do something with that fabric, but the fabric is really thick and really hard to work with. I did a sweater with it on the side, which is really cool, but it's also very, very disgusting because people have been sitting on that shit for like ages. Uh, but so I just like, scanned the. Um, the the fabric and did the same pattern and the pattern is drawn by a very famous Swedish artist uh, who also maybe just like me is like a multiple um, media artist so like he's a film director he's an actor he's a fine artist he also a graphic designer uh, so he drew this for maybe like 20 30 years ago and it's on all the seats and all the stock on subway um, cars and 
we did this balaclava with the same pattern and that i mean it was just like a fun thing for me and my friends first and then we sold it online and just like sold out immediately and then i've been doing reruns of it a few couple of times and then um it started appearing on football stadiums or all this like um the ultras who does this tifo at the subway and oh, sorry in the, in, on the football games they started using it and I, it's just like uh it's sort of like graffiti in the south like every every time i see somebody in a football stadium wearing my balaclavas it's like seeing seeing a tag or a piece of yours in, in the city it's like oh i did that shit. yeah even I, though i didn't draw the design of it like it's somebody else's design i just like juxtaposed it into another area yeah the another one that I love is the um, is the I don't know if I want to call it a book, a magazine, but let's say a publication that you did. Um, I mean, everything that you do is so layered and conceptual. Yet, also, even if you don't know the references and and the concept behind it, it's it's still good, which is something that I absolutely appreciate. But the um, the one of the things that's like super conceptual was the uh, police report publication you did. And I mean, for those who don't know, most graffiti books traditionally have always been the same. It's like a cropped photo of the final product that's very colorful and very bright and a very shitty photo of the graffiti. And can you, I mean, this was the exact opposite. So can you tell me what, a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, I had been arrested for something and then I got this like thick bunch of paper in my house with like pictures of me <laughs> you know like what's it called like the the photo they take of you in the when you get arrested what is it called um mugshot yeah mugshot etc and that was like this is pretty cool actually and <laughs> so i was like okay what happens if i mean this is pretty much like a graffiti magazine this in itself so like what happens if i just put more content into this so i interviewed the three of my um, uh, three friends of mine who's really active uh, train riders and then took mug shots of them with an old shitty camera and took like photos of their markers etc with like rulers next to it just like they would in a um, interrogation uh, like in a police report i and it, then i went to my friend's school and we printed it out like at night so nobody saw it we printed out like what like twenty thousand paper whatever in this uh <laughs> just like a copy machine right. and then staple it and then and i bought like uh, envelopes to to put it in and i made like a stamp so it's like exactly the same the logo of this swedish uh police authorities but it says 4608 instead and I stamped all the envelopes and then put like a small because once they send you like a note um uh, that okay you need to you've been charged or whatever it's like a sticker on that envelope which is like yellow and it says like the date they tried to reach you or something so i've made like those stickers and put on it and the the, the most i mean the best um reaction i got is that when people got it in their mail they were actually scared because they thought it was a real that's police what report. happened with me man you sent it yeah. to me and i was like oh fuck what's <laughs> what am i getting charged with like it looks like a fucking police report it's phenomenal yeah but and what i like the most about it is that it's i mean it's just copy machine paper it's shitty quality it's not the best photos etc so it's 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 made 
supposed to look like it's bad. Yeah, no, it looks one-to-one like a police report. And to, to you who can't even read because it's in Swedish, it's 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 even more. Yeah, yeah. I like it even more that you like it so much. But yeah, I I, I, I would think just have to like, open it up and there wasn't any pictures of me, and I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think everybody understood it. They just like, okay, well, why am I gonna pay like a hundred crowns for like copy machine paper because they're used to to buying this like. Uh, <laughs> normal magazine with like blank papers and, and not blank paper, what is it like polished paper, etc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was a really funny project, actually. Yeah, I mean, you've done so many good ones. Like there was the um, there was the patches that you made that were interchangeable with the um, with the Stone yeah. Island like yeah. arm patch that you could remove and put your put the forty six oh eight one on there. I mean. Yeah, you've done done nothing but great work. So, and I've seen Thank a little so bit much. of uh, sneak peeks of what you have coming, and all the, yeah. uh, the apparel. So, I'm excited about the future. Actually, definitely, yeah, which is fun. But yeah, and so this Corona situation has actually like helped me move things forward in terms of the brand. Like, I had so much time now the last, the past month to 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 work on projects that I haven't had time to finish. So now I have tons of content to to put out soon, which is good. It's also affected you negatively too. I remember you had you had some pop ups lined up. Um, to yeah, new, new collection and stuff and. This was supposed to be like a start of the next era, but I, I mean, yeah, I had pop-ups, pop-ups lined up. So I had like I have two or three collections at home with apparel. It's sitting in my apartment, to waiting on the the right moment to move on. Because since this is not my source of income, or I don't want it to to publish it in the wrong timing and and when it doesn't get the, the full attention that i think it's um deserves so i'll wait until the situation is, the situation is better uh well we'll see it's well, exciting that you always do though is everything you create is timeless so whether it comes out tomorrow or next year i, don't, I think it'll it'll hit just as hard so thanks man Alrighty. Well, I will, uh, I'll let you go and I appreciate your time and I appreciate talking to you every time we talk and look forward to next time seeing you. Likewise, man. Like, hopefully this, uh, travel ban is not too long so I can come see you. Oh no, the Swedish travel ban. <laughs> cool. Take care. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Hey folks, it's Ethan from Love Extremist Radio again. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Conversations with Creativity, hosted by Phil America. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please write a review on iTunes and share it with some creative friends. We appreciate your love and support. Peace.